Take charge of your thoughts. Take charge of your life. Psychologist, author, speaker, musician, former professor, and the host of Love and Life, Dr. Karen Anderson Abril. Welcome to Love and Life. I'm Dr. Karen Anderson Abril. As you know, the purpose of this podcast is to provide conversations grounded in psych research to help us thrive in love and life. And another motivation for this podcast, I often think about what I wish someone had shared with me when I was single all those years and struggling and feeling like I kept getting my heart kicked around. And to be fair, I was breaking hearts too, so I'm not trying to play the victim here. But I like to think about what would I wish I'd been able to hear from women who'd gone before, women whose lives, like mine, hadn't played out, at least in terms of love, in the way that they'd hoped. And yet, they found a way to thrive, despite the pain, despite the heartbreak, So when I come across a woman who has climbed up from the ashes of divorce and and heartbreak and pain and struggle, I want to share her story with my community as a woman who's gone before. And again, I think of myself in your position as a listener. I think about what would have inspired me to know that there is healing, recovery, hope, and yes, there is the potential to love your life more than you even imagined you could, even if it's not quite the life you would have scripted. So like I said, when I come across a woman who has a story of encouragement and empowerment, I absolutely want to invite her to the program to share that word of encouragement and empowerment with you. So today I bring you Cindy Drummond. Here's a little bit more about Cindy. In her mid-40s, Cindy found herself suddenly single and increasingly lonely. While wading through the murky waters of online dating, Cindy realized that she had an inspiring story to share in hopes of helping other women. Cindy is the creator of WOW! Women Only Weekend, an annual event that takes place in the heart of the Rocky Mountains, which sells out every year. Connect with Cindy if you'd like to learn more about attending WOW, sign up for updates, request an interview, Share with her your own dating experiences or let her know how her book, Reflections from the Dating Pool, impacted you. She would love to hear from you. Cindy resides in Calgary, Canada with her loving husband, two daughters, two stepdaughters, and two kitties. My interview with Cindy Drummond after this. As most of you know, I met Dan via a dating service. And the reason I hired a matchmaker was because as a professor, I was interested in meeting a professional gentleman with similar values of commitment to his career and service to his community. But I wasn't meeting that type of man on my own. So I hired a service to introduce me to some. I know many of you have experienced this frustration too, which is why I'm happy to let you know about Millionaire Match, an exclusive award-winning dating site for elite singles looking for serious relationships and marriage. Millionaire Match's detailed verification process ensures you'll connect with high-quality, compatible matches, saving you your precious time and energy. 
Millionaire Match has been in business for 26 years, matching successful professional men and women with singles who align with their values. You can download the app for free. Just search Millionaire Match in the App Store or click the link in the description of today's episode to download Millionaire Match app. Cindy, welcome to the program. Thank you, Dr. Karen. I'm excited to be here. So you have a very unique journey in some ways, but also your story, I think, is one that so many of the love and life community can connect with and resonate with. But let's start at the beginning. And if you don't mind, you start your book in a pretty dramatic fashion where the police show up to your home. Do you mind sharing a little bit of your personal journey? Not at all. You're right. Uh, I decided that that's sort of where this journey began. So I wanted to be vulnerable. I wanted people to know that how I started my journey was a pretty dark chapter. I was in a relationship with somebody for about six years, uh, completely head over heels in love with him. And one morning, just as we were getting ready for work, the doorbell rang and it was the police. There was six or seven police officers and they burst into our home and dragged him away in handcuffs. Yeah, that's dramatic. <laughs> oh yeah. my gosh. And horrifying and scary and and heartbreaking and soul crushing to, I'm sure it was utter confusion. And then apparently the person that I had a relationship with for six years was not the man I thought he was. Exactly. And I mean, I grew up in a nice neighborhood with, with nice parents. And this was something that I couldn't, well, obviously no one would be able to grasp in that moment, but just for the days and weeks afterward, just trying to struggle with how did I let this happen to me? Sure. I think that's very common. And so the pain of the betrayal of your relationship and him being an entirely different person than you thought he was, and then you heap more salt into your own wound by blaming yourself. What did I miss? Why didn't I see this? And I think so many women can connect with that. There's a lot of women in my space that I interact with on Instagram, and they really believe they've been involved with narcissists. And then not only have they been hurt so profoundly through that narcissistic relationship, but then also blaming themselves like, wait a minute, I'm not the kind of woman that blindly accepts everything I hear. I'm a critical thinker. I'm halfway savvy. How did I miss this? So help the listeners, for anyone who's had that experience, from what you went through, how did you, A, kind of reconcile, wow, I did miss something in the sense that that you could move forward going, okay, I want to be better prepared next time. And then B, how you made peace and kind of forgave yourself for not being able to see what wasn't available for you to see? I think that it's important for people to know that it's really hard to be objective when you are in the middle of a situation. Yeah. You definitely gain clarity when you're looking at something, when you've stepped away from it, when there's a little bit of distance. And I do think that, again, like for the people that are berating themselves for not seeing it, it's really difficult to see it when you're in it. But I will say, I had that feeling sometimes in my stomach when I knew something wasn't quite right. Yeah. I just couldn't pinpoint it. And I pushed it away thinking I was just being silly or maybe I was being jealous or maybe I was just being crazy. I ignored those nudges that I should have listened to. 
Yeah. And I think that's just so important to remind each other, hey, that prompting that you're getting, we have to listen to that. I don't know of anyone who's ever thought, yeah, that time I trusted my gut, my gut led me astray. It never happens that way, right? (laughs) And so, yeah, as logical women who were in our heads a lot. So if we have that feeling, we want the evidence. And if we can't pinpoint, as you said, the evidence, it's hard for us to to really trust that gut because we were like, well, you know, it's not logical. I don't see exactly where this little nudge is coming from. And so, yeah, it's very easy to dismiss it, put on our rose colored glasses again and move forward. So I appreciate you sharing a little bit about that because I think it's always wise for us to unpack a little bit and explain with our hindsight, which is, as you said, more clear so that we can help our sisters along their journeys. Absolutely. And one of the things that I started doing, journaling, and journaling became the piece that you could write down what you're feeling in the moment, but you could reflect back. And I think Mm. that that was really helpful as I was trying to heal is to go back and sort of see where I was and and how far I had come and just revisit some of those things. I think that journaling is such a powerful tool that I think we take for granted sometime. Through phases of my life and seasons, I've been more active journaling or less, depending on kind of just where I was. But it's funny, when I was engaged in my early 30s to the wrong person who I ended up leaving, (laughs) not quite at the altar, but two months before. So runaway bride over here. But I journaled throughout that engagement when things just didn't feel right. I thought, I don't think this is how it's supposed to feel when you're engaged to be married to the love of your life. And looking back at some of the things I wrote, I wrote things like, well, I'm not as enthusiastic about any of this as as I think I should be, but you know, I'm 33 now. What do I expect it to feel like? Puppy love? I'm not in eighth grade. All this rationalization, the intellectualizing, trying to make sense, trying to convince myself essentially. And I'm sure that's similar with that relationship that you were in. So for six years, like you said, there were these red flags here or there. And I bet you did what, again, a lot of women do. And I just share my story as well, just because I want anyone listening to know that you are not alone in having done that rationalizing because you wanted the relationship and because so much of it looked good and so much much of it was good. But then, of course, this ended in pretty dramatic fashion, as we said. So now you are single again. You have two teenage daughters. You are in utter confusion what happened with this relationship. And I'm sure there's some, obviously, someone doesn't get hauled away by the cops for having had some stellar behavior. Is it okay for me to ask what he did? I I know know the listeners are going to be wondering why he got hauled off to the police station. Absolutely. So I don't have all the details um, because I never went to any of the court um, sessions, but he was arrested and charged with voyeurism. Again, don't completely know the details, but that means that he was definitely invading spaces that he shouldn't have been. Yeah. So, and explain a little bit about that. I find that interesting because I think some women in your position would have thought, oh, I'm going down and I'm going to find out every, every last thing he did. And they, and maybe for them that would have been a closure, but it sounds like for you, you decided, okay, I have enough information to know that this is not a man that I want in my life anymore. And so you weren't involved in some of the court proceedings, as you mentioned. So explain kind of your rationale for that. Well, let me let me be candid and say it's not like I never spoke to him again. We owned a house together and we didn't we weren't able to sell that house for almost 
a full year. So there were conversations and there were questions and I was trying to get the answers that I wanted, but I just decided that as far as the court proceedings and that sort of thing went, I didn't want to be associated with that. I detached myself from that. I did want answers. I just didn't want to put myself through going through that process. And I wasn't going to stand beside him. So I didn't want any part of it at all. And at that point, you decided you needed to figure out what was going on. You had your daughters to care for as well. So where, where did you go from there? Well, I guess I was trying to, I, I, I didn't want to be a victim. That was really important to me, especially I think because I had these two impressionable daughters sort of watching what I was going to do next. And so I was very determined that they were going to see their mom and and watch my actions moving forward, not, not backwards. And so yeah. it's kind of a crazy thing, but the first thing I did within a couple of weeks, once everyone was safe is I decided to do an impromptu retreat, which I had no experience in. I reached out to a, a resort and I booked 65 spots and I gave myself 14 weeks to plan this event in the Rocky mountains uh, and I called it wow, just off the cuff, because I thought, well, women only weekend sounds like a great event. And uh, I put on this event. Um, it sold out, which is impossible to believe when I look back at it now. And I was just remember it was after the dinner on the Saturday night and these two women came up to me that I didn't know. And they said, Cindy, like this event is life changing. And that's when it kind of hit me is that. I selfishly brought all these women together because that's what I needed. But I realized the power in bringing these women together, the power of having a tribe and, and creating relationships with other like-minded people. And I think that's what gave me the confidence and the ability to trust that I was going to be okay again. I think that is such a beautiful example of resilience I love that you, as a mother, of course, you were thinking of your daughters first and foremost through all this. You're going, okay, these girls are watching their mom and what kind of example am I setting for them? And I'm sure most of the time you want to just curl up and just go under the covers and not get out of bed. But you thought, wait, my, my girls have to see me. They have to see me dig deep and find that strength. And I think that model is really beautiful. I love that. And then how did you decide... Like, I'm going to do a retreat, but did you have a network of people to kind of say, hey, I'm going to do a retreat. Do you want to come? Or did you just go, hey, I'm doing this and start telling people? That's amazing. Yeah. I, I mean, it's, this was about 10 years ago. So I didn't even know about the, the, the programs available where you could have like event brightens. So this was yeah. all new to me. And so right. I, but I just kind of went for it and through through my own group of friends and I would just reach out and say, Hey, I'm hosting an event. Do you want to speak at it? And the women would say, yeah, that sounds amazing. And, you know, and the word just kind of spread. And so that first event we had 65 women. And then ever after that, I was selling out to like 175 women without any means of advertising. Cause, and that just shows not that I'm amazing, but that how powerful and how needed opportunities for women to connect are. I think it's amazing. I think that's incredible, especially like you said, 10 years ago where people didn't even have maybe the social media platforms where they could get the word out. And is this something you do every year now? 
Yes, typically held in October. We're not doing an in-person one this October, but we are back. I've committed for 2022 um, in Canmore in Canada. And truthfully, it is just this love fest of women of all ages from their 20s to their 70s. And it's just a magical, magical event. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah, I definitely want to support you and promote it to my community. That's Thank that's you. wonderful. Yeah, of course. Back to your story now, the next chapter, so to speak. You then decide to go on 50 dates in 52 weeks. <laughs> so tell us a little bit about that decision and how that played out. So it was after the event that, again, so now you've got this little deflation because you were planning something and now it's over. Yes. And I'm spending, you know, the, all these nights alone. My daughters are at dance or they're with their dad on his week. And I'm kind of feeling a little nervous that I may spend the rest of my life alone. And not that there's anything wrong with that, but I didn't think that's what I wanted. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, I was terrified about the idea of starting over, looking for somebody, trusting somebody. How's that going to work with my children? So Mm. I thought, you know, maybe to take some pressure off, maybe I should commit to going on 50 dates because that would give me some time to heal. And I, and I didn't know it at the time, but it was kind of this, it took all this pressure off because if I'm going to date 50 guys, like certainly I'm not going to get serious right away, or I'm not going to So anyways, that was just kind of the goal is, okay, let's take a year, date one guy a year and see what happens. Sorry, one guy a week, not a year. Yeah, yeah. No, I was like, wait a minute. I'm doing the math. I'm like, wait a minute. (laughs) That's going to be a lot of years. (laughs) So yeah, and I love that idea of taking the pressure off. And that's something I think many women on the dating scene, we can get caught up in this, I got to figure out if this is the one. You know, by the time the the entree arrives, <laughs> we put a lot of pressure instead of just going, hey, let me go and have a nice dinner and have some nice conversation and be myself and gather information as to whether or not this is someone I'd like to see again. Like not whether I want to get married and have a family with this person, but just take a little bit of the pressure off. And I think that's, I like that your structure that you provided for yourself allowed you to not put so much intensity into each date. In fact, you really took the pressure off because, I mean, what was the what what did you what was the contract with yourself? What if date thirty two you fall madly in love? Do you still have to finish all the dates? And I did write a contract to myself, and I guess I never <laughs> thought, okay, what if date number thirty two sweeps me off my feet? But right. I just said, like, I'm going to consciously choose to go through this process for the next year and. Now, I, I was a little naive. I just, I thought every, you know, it was going to be lots of dinner and, and getting picked up and, you know, go, but there's a lot of just coffee dates or going for walks, which is totally fine. But I was a little naive about the whole online dating process in the beginning. Yeah. And I think most are, if they've been in a committed relationship for a period of time, and certainly there are people who married their high school sweetheart and then at 50 end up single again and I mean, even dating as an adult, forget about the online portion or the app portion, but just adult dating is something they've never done. So it can be pretty terrifying, I think, for people to go, wait, I I know I need to dip my toe into these, the pool here, but I don't know what I want to do with this and I don't know how to approach it. 
Well, and I think it is terrifying. So again, I think that by setting a lofty goal, it's like if you're going to take up anything else, like a sport or something new, you don't say, I'm going to go golfing. But if I haven't figured it out on the third time I go out, I'm quitting golfing. Yeah. And people do get so dejected and demoralized and and that can happen and they recoil. And, and sometimes I think taking a break is a good idea, but there's a little bit of that tension. If we, if this is something we value and we desire, we're going to have to push ourselves a little bit. And sometimes it's going to feel awkward and sometimes it's going to feel disheartening. And again, that structure you provided for yourself was a really nice way for you to keep yourself committed to the process, even if you did have moments that were really frustrating. And of course, tell us some of those, because I know that the listeners always love to know they're not the only one who went on a bunch of cruddy dates because many of them have and myself included, but tell us some of the ones that stick out to you. Well, I did get stood up once and that was humiliating and, and and all these things that really looking back now, it was no big deal, but, you know, just, you know, standing in the coffee shop and smiling at every man that walks through the door thinking maybe that's him. And and then you're like, oh my goodness, everyone knows that I'm, that I'm probably here for a date and they're not. And it's just that feeling of insecurity, which is a terrible feeling, but um, there was just also some, I, (laughs) I went on a date with somebody who was a magician And, um, again, that's awesome, but he, you know, he's telling me that he's making balloon animals for a living and, you know, he's, he's just going off on these wild tangents. And so, you know, those are the dates where you just are looking at your watch and you're thinking, how quickly can I drink this steaming hot coffee and get out of here? Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes, you know, within, I mean, I always encourage people to try to, like we're talking about today, try to be present and try to just not have too much of an agenda on a date. But sometimes, you know, within 25 seconds, let's be honest, like you just know, like there's just (laughs) not that chemistry. There's not that connection. It's never going to materialize. Have you heard? You can now listen to my book. Single is the new black. Don't wear white till it's right. As you know, I wrote the book I wish had been available to me when I was single. So obviously, it's not about how to snag a man. Rather, it's all about how to stay strong amidst single shaming and remain true to yourself and never settle for anything less than an extraordinary relationship. Find it on Audible or iTunes. And for a free sample, check out Chapter 11 of Single is the New Black in Episode 145 of Love and Life. Throughout the book, you share some words of wisdom. And again, that's such a wonderful gift that we can give to each other. What we endeavor to do is is share our journey in our heart, hoping that maybe others can learn a little bit from what we've been through so they can maybe avoid some of the pitfalls here and there. But what are some of the words of wisdom that you felt, well, I I do want to share this with other women. And the words of wisdom, when I was writing them, they were notes to myself. And so after, for example, being stood up, I made a conscious decision and I wrote something that sort of said, Be sure that you treat everybody with respect throughout this journey. Be sure that you're kind and you don't trifle with anybody's feelings. Uh, Another word of wisdom that I wrote is be sure that you're sometimes interested, not always interesting. So allow Mm. somebody else to be able to share their story and not just be taking up the entire 
conversation because you think they need to know more about you, you know, those sort of words of wisdom. I think that is so key. And again, it gets you back into the moment and being present and not being so analytical of every word you say, right? Not trying to craft the perfect witty comeback in the conversation because that's putting the focus back on you again and trying to be interesting, right? As opposed to, let me actually be present and interested in what he's saying right now. That's such a helpful little reminder, reminding to yourself and then wanting to share those with others. As you went through this process, was there a pivotal moment that really things shifted for you or was it kind of just a slow journey? And also when you got stood up, did that count as a date or not? I counted it as a date because it was definitely a lesson in there. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So tell us about the pivotal moment of of this process. I think there was a pivotal moment. I remember um, being out for dinner with a girlfriend one time and, you know, she was asking me how this was going and, and, you know, admiring me for my bravery as she called it. And I realized then that honestly, the guys had very little to do with this whole journey. I mean, they were all giving me the opportunity to get to know myself, to figure out who I was and who I was becoming. So I think that was the pivotal moment when I realized that I was starting to fall in love again with myself. Mm, That's really beautiful. I think that's really poignant and such a, a beautiful moment of clarity for yourself to recognize, wait a minute, this whole process, I've been thinking it's about me trying to meet the love of my life, but really I'm the love of my life. And this has been a great opportunity for me to deepen my connection with myself. That's a a really beautiful and, and poignant word. If you have just a few seconds to help me out, I would so appreciate it. You can do so by heading over to Apple Podcasts, giving us a five-star rating and a few sentences of review that helps others find the program and join the Love and Life family. When you talk about throughout the book and then obviously with the workshops that you host, you talk about finding a tribe. What does that mean to you and what do you offer the listeners about their own tribe? I think for me, it was, I didn't realize until I was single again, how I had let so many important relationships in my life slip or slide away. And so when I started bringing women together, whether it was through my events or, you know, just really reaching out to people and having to women and having coffees and going for walks, I realized that they were kind of the backbone behind me in this whole journey and that it's so important to surround ourselves with people that that love us and love us despite you know our bad days and things like that because I think especially when we've been going through what we have for the last 18 months uh, it can be pretty isolating and so just to you know that power and having um, a group of people that have your back that you can pick up the phone or if possible, see in person or whatever, just to know that you're not alone. Yeah. It's, it's something that I talk about as well throughout my process being single for many years. I didn't get married until I was 42. And so throughout those seasons, that tribe sometimes for me would shift because my friends, my besties, they were in a different season and preoccupied as they should be with their husbands and their children 
And so I needed to continue to forge that my my sisterhood and to make sure I had my my ladies around me because we really need that support. And I also now as a very happily married woman, I I remain committed to my tribe because I think it's one of the most loving things we can do as partners is to not dump the responsibility of my emotional support and well-being on one person. I don't think that's a loving thing to do to my husband, especially because he's a man and they're wired differently. And women, we like the unabridged version of every story. Men, sometimes they want the bullet points. And so I think it's really such a wise bit of of learning for you and then also for you to make that part of your platform and your mission is to, to through your events and through your work to make sure that women are always able to find their tribe and resonate with those. And I love that you said that your retreats are women from 20 to 70 because that's something that's harder to find. We, we tend to be stratified by our generation based on just life, right? We moms of toddlers are hanging out with other moms of toddlers oftentimes. And we sometimes miss that intergenerational connecting, which provides us again, as we've spoken to you today quite a bit with that opportunity to learn from our, the women who've been there and they're a little bit older and wiser. So I love that, that you invite all women of all ages. That's a really, that's a beautiful part of what you do. Are you looking for customized, personalized gifts? Mugshop Montreal by Brie Jackson has got you covered. She offers a beautiful selection of high-quality, personalized custom products. What started off as a fun project for family and friends soon developed into a passion for creating custom keepsakes for anyone, for any occasion. She decided to take the plunge and follow her artistic vision by creating Mug Shop Montreal, a home-based business where she collaborates directly with her clients, using their inspiration to design a detailed, heartwarming souvenir that many have given as gifts or have decided to keep for themselves. You can visit her on Instagram and Facebook at Mug Shop Montreal to browse her lovely products. You know, Cindy, as we wrap up, give the listeners a bit of hope. So many of my community, they are single longer, much longer than they wanted to be. And I try to provide them with hope whenever I can, but it can be really demoralizing at times. What would you say to someone who's going through something similar to what you went through or something different, but still similar enough that they need that word of hope? Hope is such an important word. I think without hope, yeah, that is that is the key. And and how do you find hope when when you're sort of at the bottom of you know at the darkest day? And I think that's where the maybe the tribe piece comes in. But um, I believe that if you have hope and you continue through the process uh, and you and you trust yourself and you love yourself, I think everything does fall into place. I mean. When I think about it, isn't finding love one of the most important things we're going to do in our lives? I mean, if you treat it that way and you're serious about it and you know that you're worth it, I think love will find you. It found me. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's like you said, isn't finding love one of the most important, if not the most important experience? Of course, loving ourselves throughout, not trying to set that aside, but but really, isn't it one of the most important endeavors we'll ever undertake? And so for the women in my community and maybe some in yours as well, I always try to encourage them that 
you know, like anything, I mean, some people, yeah, they get lucky and they meet the love of their life young and that's wonderful. But for those of us who didn't, isn't it worth waiting for something really special, something really extraordinary, as opposed to just going, okay, well, this'll be okay. It'll, it'll do. I mean, so when we think about it that way, anything that's really special and extraordinary is going to perhaps take a little bit longer than we wanted to. And like you said, we'll have to do some work along the way, put ourselves in those awkward situations, continue picking ourselves up, dusting ourselves off, trying to be as resilient as possible, creating that tribe that you speak of. We really can learn so much. No one wants to walk through a valley. No one ever said when they were going through (laughs) that hideous season of their life, yay, so glad that everything is screwed up right now. But all of us who come out on the other side, we know that there are lessons we learned and wisdom we gained that we could not have gained and learned in any other way. So when we can try to value that season of grief and pain. Sometimes it's a little easier to see that with a few years under our belt, but that can also provide hope for the next season of pain because life is like that. And so your your experience and what you share is really so helpful, I think, for women who maybe are in that valley and wanting that bit of hope. So Cindy, thank you so much for sharing with my audience. Can you let them know where to find the book and how to connect with you further or attend one of your retreats? Let them know where to, to get more uh, of Cindy. Thanks, Dr. Karen. You can find me on my website at cindydrummond.ca, D-R-U-M-M-O-N-D.ca. My books are on Amazon. That's probably the easiest place. And I would love to hear from any of your listeners and welcome them to come to join us at WOW in 2022 in Canmore, Women Only Weekend. Thanks again, Cindy. I appreciate it so much. Thanks for sharing your heart and your story. And I'm so glad we've connected. It was just my absolute pleasure. And I'm just so grateful for what you're doing out there in the community. So thank you for having me as a guest. It means the world to me. The love and life hack for this week is 50 dates in 52 weeks. Okay, maybe not 50, but perhaps it's time to take a page from Cindy's playbook and put a little more structure in your dating process. Thank you as always for joining us this week. It means so much to me. If you haven't had a chance to grab my Empowered Dating Playbook, be sure you head over to loveandlifemedia.com to grab your free copy. Also, I am rolling out another support group in the next couple of weeks, taking names right now. So if you're interested in more information, you can find that on loveandlifemedia.com under the Work With Me tab. Those of you on the newsletter list, you get special insider perk pricing. So if you're not on the newsletter list, be sure you do that so that you can take advantage of that deal. Take charge of your thoughts. Take charge of your life. This is Dr. Karen anderson Averill, And until next time, make it a great week. Love and Life is produced by Tim May and hosts and executive producer, Dr. Karen Anderson-Abril.